I think I'm just going to give a very quick uh, numerical example of uh, what I was talking about in um, this, this process here. I'm just going to make it, I'm just going to display it in a different way. So we have three banks, alpha, beta, and gamma. And uh, there is actually a bank alpha, uh, a Greek bank. I don't know whether it's still around. <laughs> uh, alpha, beta, and gamma, okay? And they all exist separately. And um, chat comes into uh, bank alpha, and he deposits... Um, a hundred ounces of gold. And what would happen at that stage is that, uh, and he says, I want to keep it on demand. I want to keep it all on demand, okay, at Bank Alpha. And Bank Alpha says, well, it costs me money to store gold, so that's 12 basis points per annum something like that, to have your money on demand. And I'm sure there are enough people in here who can remember when demand deposits didn't pay money. Or checking, checking, what are they called? Checking accounts in America? Yeah. Yeah. You know, they, they're not meant to pay money because your money is available whenever you want it. Okay, so uh, our chap says 100 ounces on demand. <coughs> and at that stage, the bank alpha will have 100 ounces in liabilities, Al, and a hundred ounces of assets. What will be the form of these assets? Gold. Yeah, gold, gold coin. Okay. Now, our protagonist says, "Okay, I only want to keep uh, twenty ounces on deposit, and I want to lend eighty ounces out." So Alpha Bank goes, uh, Bank Alpha goes, um, okay, fine. So, um, you know, liabilities turn to 20 ounces demand. And um, 80 ounces, well, first of all, Bank Alpha says to our chap, how long do you want to lend the money out for? And he says, it's irrelevant. One, he doesn't say that, no, he, I, it is irrelevant. <laughs> say uh, one year, okay. So he wants to lend it out for one year. So the assets of Bank Alpha obviously change at that moment. And uh, instead of having 100 ounces in asset, in, in gold coin, he only has 20 ounces. And he says, okay, I'm taking your 80 ounces and I'm going to lend it to someone who wants to borrow it. And hopefully Bank Alpha is, is suitably, suitably good, good enough to know who the, uh, the money should be lent to. That is the role of the banker. It's, you have to be a jack of all trades and 
master of none. Um, so it, it will have 80 ounces here, an 80 ounce bond. Okay. So we went from having no bonds because everything was on demand to a bond. Okay, so we're going to put that bond here. Right. But those 80 ounces were lent to um, whoever. Let's say uh, James. And James used those 80 ounces to build... Um, a, a <laughs> obviously you're not going to build a factory from just one person is not going to come to you and say here's a factory give me 80 ounces you know it will be many people who build the factory so um, you'll have to bear with me on this but the point is that a set of people or one person a set of people in aggregate or one person will now have 80 ounces because some because these 80 ounces have been spent and they've gone into the pockets of other individuals is that clear yeah okay and you've got the bond the bond which um, the bond Now, those 80 ounces, assuming it was spent in just one person's pocket rather than a collection of people, because that's going to make the drawing a bit messy. Um, ends up as a demand deposit from John in Bank Beta. 80 ounces. And John says to Bank Beta, I actually want to keep it all on demand for the moment as well. So at that moment, Bank Beta will have 80, 80 ounces in gold coin. And then uh, John goes through the same thought process as our chap here, because he's allowed to. Um, um, says, I'm going to keep 40 ounces on demand deposit. Yeah. And keep, and, and I want to lend out 40 ounces. So in a similar way to Bank Alpha, Bank Alpha keeps 40 ounces in gold coin. And lends 40 ounces out just like Bank Alpha did. Okay, and this is the same 100 ounces of gold in this, in this example here. It's not different gold, it's the same gold 
circulating in the system. So, bank B to lens it out, and you have another bomb. My goodness. with the guarantor or underwriter as bank beta. <coughs> and then in the same way, okay, as John had 80 ounces to deposit in bank beta, someone will have 40 ounces that they didn't have before because 40 ounces has just been spent. And they do exactly the same thing in bank gamma. So um, let's name these people. The first one was to make it say John, Tony, and Tilda. So Matilda now has 40 ounces herself, and she says, split it 20-20 in demand time, and lend the rest out. And Bank Gamma goes, okay, fine. So Bank Gamma keeps 20 ounces in coin, and lends 20 ounces out. Ah, but we've also got another bond now. From Bank Gamma, Matilda's Bank. And so on. Dot, dot, dot. Rinse and repeat. It's an iterative procedure. Okay? And so it can quite clearly be seen that so this was a, this was an 80 ounce bond and notice the arrows denoting movement this is all about movement circulation okay so uh, bond alpha is of 80 ounces bond beta is 40 and 20 and that adds up uh, to um, 140 So we've got 140 ounces worth of bonds in circulation, or bonds, or, uh, or 140 ounces worth of time deposits, plus the original 100 
ounces of uh, gold. And if you want to represent this in higher order money terms, you'd have your gold here. And you would have your M2 here at uh, 140 ounces. And within, unless, and assuming that is left like that, okay, um, at the end of two years, at the end of two years, what would happen to this? Let's say they all lent out the money for, for two years and everything's okay in the economy and everything gets repaid. What happens to this? Disappears. Okay. It disappears. So um, that's the way the, uh, the people arrange themselves. Okay, and I put banks around each of these processes uh, because that's where these processes usually take place. They can take place underneath a tree, you know. They don't need to take place in a bank. So another point to make before I go on to how we just got very how we evolved from this, this arrangement. If M2 is doing that, how many people would say, well, that must mean that there's no economic growth? Would it be a cause of concern to anyone? Because a lot of people think it should always do something like that. Okay, the point is that even if M2 is flat forever, M2 represents liabilities between X and Y, let's say one and two years uh, payoff. The same M2 here, by definition then, is not the same M2 here. Because this would have expired by the time you get to here. So a flat M2 actually hides the actual nature of the circulation <coughs> that's actually going on there. And you can imagine the people that actually want M2 to do this. You know, they're, uh, they're, they're uh, crazy. You know. So a flatter M2 actually hides a very high degree of, is actually, a, it's, like a, it's like a one, a one point representation of the amount of movement that's going on for that particular frequency of um, that particular duration of monetary asset. Okay? So this is all 
driven subjectively at each stage by the protagonists in the financial system, or the system. And um, what we have now is basically when John goes into Bank Alpha, um, it's regulation that decides how much the bank needs to keep on demand deposit against lending out. So if John wanted to come into the bank and only, and only lend out um, 80, regulations would say, well, you only need to keep 10. Um, you know, it's the law. You know, it says, you know, you can keep 10 if you want to. Um, so, John's subjective preferences would have been usurped by regulation. And the guise of the regulation is to protect the, uh, the banking system. But it's not. It's actually distorting uh, John's personal subjective preference. And you think, okay, yeah, you can do that, I suppose, and that is fraudulent because you're invading pro personal property rights. Uh, but what happens if, if John, let's say you've lent out 90 instead of 80, um, but John thinks that um, he's got 20 on demand, he's actually only got 10, you know, that could cause a problem for me, says the banker, you know, to his other banker friends, um, with the regulator. Um, and the regulator goes, that's all right, don't worry. I'll set up a central bank. And the central bank will take as collateral all of the things that you need to monetize. Does anyone know what kind of transaction that's called? A sale and... Repo. Repurchase. So... In order to compensate for the distortions that have been brought in, whether intentionally or not, the central bank is there. Okay, because you can't say to John, when he comes for his 20, here's 10 plus a bond, you know, or a, or, or, or a billion, you know. He wants the cash. He wants the cash. Okay, so... To hide the fact that John would be getting a bond back instead of gold coin or, or money, you know, the 10 would go from the, um, the bank's balance sheet, the 10 ounces of, of these bonds which have now been um, created um, because you're sticking to regulation, uh, will end up... at the central bank, who will then furnish our chap with the 10 that he needs. So is that all clear? I think it's clearer than the, uh, than the previous example. Okay, so that's the way it's meant to work, and this is the way we are currently, with the central bank 
just accepting assets. Now the central bank has, obviously has a problem because they need to, to buy a lot more assets, you know, than they previously... Uh, I say assets, it's obviously not an asset. But uh, they need to buy a lot more assets in order to keep the deposit system from just fracturing and causing the worst depression, deflationary depression, that you can possibly imagine. Because all of you guys that think that you have a hundred dollars in an XYZ bank, you know, you don't actually. You never did. Um, so just remember that. You know, bailing out the bankers is actually bailing out us as depositors in the uh, financial system. Um, so, okay, on the back of that, any questions? Several questions to comprehend this completely. Now, let's to your example how it should be without the central bank. First, the question the IOUs, which you call bonds, they're not part of the money supply, correct? You can't pay anything with them. Payments are made only with gold, with a stock of 100 pounds. Yeah. I mean, um, you can try and pay with a bond. Someone might accept it at a discount, you know, but gold is, gold is the ultimate extinguisher. Okay. Yeah. So, um, theoretically, it could be that uh, there are absolutely no, that in the system there's absolutely no credit outstanding. Like you have mm. 100 ounces of gold and 140 ounces of uh, credit bills, or how you call this thing. Uh, but you can imagine that nobody gives them a credit that only money sits in the deposit yeah. and uh, is used for payments. So that's, that's theoretically this could be. But payments, you know, um, again have their, their time scales. Mm -hmm. You know, is it an instantaneous payment? Payment, payment for what? Well, somebody buys some, something from mm. somebody else. Uh, so I give an order to my bank and say, take so and so many grams of my gold and transfer it to the account or at your bank or another bank mm. of the person I owe uh, the money for. Mm. Okay? Mm. That's what I consider to be payment or transaction. Yeah. And, uh, and theoretically, only these types of transaction could be in the system without any credit. Absolutely. Okay, good. Absolutely. Now, uh, we haven't talked about the real world so far, but the real world, they do add to the money supply, correct? They're, they're, um, First of all, I wouldn't call it money supply, call it credit supply. Hmm? Call it credit supply. Yeah, but, but the credit supply which is used for payments. The bill, the real bill is, is, is not a part of the money supply because again, if you look at total bills outstanding, as a particular measure, it will be, let's say, something like this, okay? But that bill would have expired because the produce that it was used to finance has gone off the market. Mm. So the bill market is, is like an expression of... Okay, but, but nevertheless, uh, you could, again, make payment payments without any uh, real goods, only with the gold. But in the, in yeah. the very moment when uh, um, the real world is issued, mm. there's more, so to say, money in the system uh, than gold. 
because it's not a life, uh, it's not, um, whereas, you know, the bonds, uh, or, the, or the credits, or how you call it, you know, they're not used as money. You don't mm. do make payments. You said you could try to, but that's, that, that doesn't mm. occur. Uh, so it's just, you know, it's, it's wealth, so to say. It's, 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 it sits uh, in your deposit. You don't use it for payments, mm. you know. Whereas the real gold is used for payment. And it's uh, created, so to say, which I think is completely legitimate, so that you don't, don't get me wrong, mm. out of thin air. Uh, the person who issues uh, the uh, the real bill doesn't have any gold. Mm. He could uh, make a payment with, with gold, you know, as we uh, uh, said it before. If he has gold in his deposit, he could make a payment in gold, but he doesn't make it. Mm. He issues this uh, real bill and uses it for payment. So uh, it adds to the money supply in the sense of uh, uh, yeah, money that chases um, uh, uh, a commodity, a bargain, uh, 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 or services, or whatever. I'll let my chairman answer this. Can I answer that? Yes. It is not created out of thin air. Absolutely not. A bond is. A bond is created out of thin air on the expectation. No, 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 a real bill. I'm talking about a real bill. I'm comparing it to one. He's talking bonds. Yeah. A real bill is issued when real merchandise arrives at the retail store. Yeah. Yeah. There is a tanker full of gasoline, yeah. real material stuff already there, ready to be sold to the consumer. So it's not thin air. Without the actual That's product, saying, there's no real I'm trying to, you know, when, when you said out of thin air, no, it's not out of thin air. Well, uh, why, why then does he pay gold? Because he doesn't have the gold yet. Yes. Exactly. He doesn't. Have it, so he, he creates it. Mm -hmm. uh, he, he creates a, 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 an obligation or an IOU on something he doesn't have no, yet. No, no, no. That is not right. <coughs> the, the, let, let me give you my example, yeah. if I may take a minute. Uh, a, a fuel truck arrives at the gas station, at the retail gas station, with 30,000 liters of gasoline in it. And that, in Canada, is about a dollar thirty. So we're talking about forty or fifty thousand dollars worth of fuel. Now, do you expect the gas station attendant to pay cash? I don't think so. Do you expect him to write a check for thirty or forty thousand dollars or euros? No. All he does is sign a piece of paper that says, "Yes, we have taken delivery of this real product, this gasoline." And we obligate ourselves to pay it in 30, 60, 90 days. It's commercial credit, it's terms. Okay. And the terms are granted by the wholesaler. The wholesaler says, yeah, we're going to deliver this gas because we know you can sell it, you will sell it, so we're assured of payment. And that's the difference. And the gasoline itself pays the bill. The gasoline exists. Now, his uh, um, warehouse doesn't exist yet. And it may or may not pay off. So it's only a way of, of clearing. So it's a way of clearing. That's exactly what it is. And it's a huge difference. Okay. It's, it's just not the same at all. And that's why there's no borrowing, no collateral, no lending. Let's suppose, I talk about collateral, it's cabbages. Cabbages arrive, and are the cabbages collateral? But by the time you would have to pay them, they're rot. So it's not collateral. It's trust in the fact that people will buy the cabbages. And then let me play the Avocados Diaboli. What's wrong about uh, me issuing, uh, let's not call it real bill, because it uh, has a longer duration, uh, IOU of like, send, say, two years. I, I, I write a paper and say, in two years, I will pay you so and so much. I understand and, that. And if somebody accepts this as a payment, and again, uses it as a payment as well, because everybody knows that the man who wrote IOU, 
everybody believes he will can he can pay in two years. You have to follow professors writing about bills of anticipation. These are fraudulent. They are not real bills. You know. No, no, but, but what, I don't call it real bills. But well, what's wrong about it? Don't call them. That. They're not real bills. They're promises. They're bonds. Yes. And, what's what's wrong about it? and they won't be accepted. But who's going to accept them? That's the point. The market okay, itself is so, so practically, you see, so you say practically they wouldn't be accepted, that but, but uh, the EUA, nothing is wrong with it. With what? It, it, uh, it's a seen Yeah, uh, yeah. 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 Well, well, I think it's the word you're looking for. Did you only say the EUA? is law. Law, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, it's it's not it's not fraudulent. It's simply that it would. It is fraudulent if you call it a real bill. Absolutely fraudulent. No, I wouldn't call it a real bill. I, it's fraudulent. But then you go out and you pay the rate of interest and you put collateral up or you, or you do something to get that loan. It becomes a bond. It's not uh, a real bill. <laughs> okay. I, I've got a, a point here. Yeah. I went on holiday uh, a few weeks, a few months ago, and as a joke, I said to one of my friends who's. Mm, exceptionally wealthier than I am, I'd like a loan, you know, for the holiday. And he said, um, well, give me some collateral then, and I'll, uh, I'll give you a loan. So, um, there were three of us going on holiday, um, and I said, okay, okay, um, you write me a, a, a note to the other person. I said, write me a note that says you'll give me a million pounds in, in two years' time. Okay, and I said, I'll write you the same note, okay, saying I'll give you a million pounds in two years' time. So I've got my collateral, okay, and I gave it to my friend, who uh, is a bond manager, uh, the biggest bond manager in the world. But um, he accepted it on uh, good faith, you know. This is all joking, obviously, by the way. Um, and he said, oh, okay, I didn't know that he owed you a million pounds. And I said, well, he does. Um, and then he got a bit suspicious, you know, when my other friend uh, went to him for a loan and deposited the chips that said that I owed him a million pounds. You know, so it's quite obvious to see what is wrong in doing this. You don't need to be a rocket scientist to say that this is wrong. But that's what goes on. Okay, next question for me. Um, so, uh, the money supply in the system as it should be um, is not uh, expanded uh, by issuing uh, uh, real bills or giving credit uh, uh, or, or issuing bonds. Now, how can uh, the money supply uh, expand, if I have understood it correctly, mm. uh, only by adding to gold and mm. giving more gold or, as the free bankers, as me, <laughs> see uh, taking other commodities um, uh, as base money, which is silver, copper, amber. The only way you can expand the money supply is by uh, mining more gold. As long as you, you, you define gold as money and money as gold. Yeah. So I wonder, what really is all this um, uh, crawling about uh, with, with you know the Mises the Mises people? I mean, is it only of words because they don't understand each other because they call fractional reserve banking something different than you do. What's the problem? I mean, that's a hundred percent reserve, you call it fractional reserve, whatever, but 
it's the same idea. I, I, I don't call it. Fra I don't call this fractional. I like to call it just like a self-similar process. Yeah. You know, um, I've, I've never. I've, I've, I don't spend time reading sort of erroneous um, literature and research. You know, so I don't. I've never read. If I can jump in. I, I think that I think it's more than just a definition thing. Mises hmm. people. <coughs> Obviously, there's quite a number of them, and I don't necessarily think they all agree with each other on all points. Mm -hmm. But they assert that fractional reserve banking is when the mm -hmm. bank takes in a dollar and issues $10. Mm -hmm. The bank is literally creating 10 times the money that was deposited in that bit, which is just simply wrong, which is simply is not true. So they wanted I think he's going to disagree with me on that. Yeah, I'm a Mises person, so I've, I've been there twice, and I know the guys. And uh, I think they say, no, if you deposit a dollar in the bank and it loans out 90 cents. That's, that's correct. That's what they call for. I've seen so many of them, or at least people that, that are affiliated, uh, saying They're this. full of shit, don't worry. Well, I know, but, <laughs> but there's a lot of that out there. Yeah, yeah um, but Alex, that is not fraudulent. I mean, the, the uh, amount... Yeah, if you, now let's say you go to the bank, and it, uh, that's the thing. Um, if, it, 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 if it's not consensual, if you believe, if you, if you, if you throw a dollar into a bank, and it's a demand deposit, and you think that you can redeem it at any time, mm. and they loan out 90 cents, yeah. of course, that's fraud. That's, fraud. that's an invasion of property. Of property. Yeah, so what, what's the problem? Why don't we call one fractional and what fractal banking? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's the only question of words, but not in. <coughs> I well, they're, they're, also, they're also opposed to real bills uh -huh. because they're interested in the total quantity of money, which they define as inflation. So anything that adds to credit or money, they're opposed to <coughs> on the grounds that that's inflation. So that's what it boils down to: only the real bills. Um, well, and and when well, can I also I'll, please? I, yeah. I communicated with the Mises Institute with Bloomberg, one of the guys there, about this. That the professor was on this side, and they were on the other side. And I said, "What exactly is wrong here?" And he didn't understand what real deals were. Did not understand how they work and how they come into being and how they disappear. And once we went back and forth a few times, and in all. Honesty. So, well, you know, we're really on the same page. This is more of a, a disagreement, in, you know, and that is it. When I first started to study this uh, whole issue, the professor's writing started off with the second greatest story ever told. The first being the Bible, the second real bills, and I had no clue. And I started to read and study this, and I said, boy, that's obscure, and boy, it's important. Wow, no wonder. People don't know this was the first thing to disappear. This disappeared before World War One, and it's been 110 years. And yet, this is the most vital function of the gold standard. It's not just gold. There have to be the bond leg and the real bills. That those three legs, if you will, are the foundation of the economic system that can work. And that's why people don't understand. And once they take the trouble to understand, well, it's real goods, and there's no collateral, no borrowing, and the sale of the good itself liquidates it. And if, and another thing, if there are no orders for new goods, the, the bills are not replenished. That M2 up there with the uh, wiggles that Sandy drew, this is called an evenly rotating economy. It's a fixed dynamic. As those bills or those bonds, in this case, mature, new ones replace them at the same pace. So nothing changes, but underneath the churning is going on. 
Now, if, the, if the, that chart goes up or down, that means there are more bonds per dollar the velocity picked up or went down. Think about real bills as the manifestation of the velocity of money that people spend. The more they spend, the more bills must be drawn because there's more goods being consumed. And if the consumption of goods goes down, the bills mature and they go away, they disappear. So then your, your chart changes in your longer term one as well. Uh, to, to be fair, I don't know who Bloomberg is. Bloomberg. Bloomberg. Don't ask me names. Don't ask me Don't know, just to be just putting out there, I don't know who he is. Um, and I've never heard of, I've never investigated real bills and as Adam Smith mentioned them before I got here either. So just putting it out there. Robert Blumen, isn't it? Yep. Yeah, I said it somewhere. So if anybody wants to see him, I can probably dig him up. Yeah. <laughs> but it's interesting that it's a misunderstanding, a lack of understanding of what's going on. And that's why the professor's work is so important. Mm. How many people in the world really understand this thoroughly? Mm. Not too many, maybe some of us here. And I think there's another question which needs to be addressed or to, to, to be discussed. How, uh, let's say, how we, how we maybe the, the institutional setting, or shall I put it? I mean, what I can picture is that maybe it, for transpiration, uh, trans, uh, transparency reasons, it might be wise uh, to have uh, two kinds of banks, to have you know this credit uh, um, mm -hmm. business uh, in a completely different identity. Uh, ide uh, um, Entity, 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 which might have the same owners as the deposit bank, but doing it within the same company is, for transparency reasons, might be not so wise. And take the the e-gold system; they actually did it this way. They had the e-gold company, which was only for deposits. Uh, and uh, but and uh, they uh, founded another company. I think it was Gold and Silver um, G GSNR or something like this. Um, uh, and this is uh, where you would transfer your money to from the uh, e-gold uh, bank. You know, uh, if you wanted uh, to to loan it to somebody else. Mm, okay. Uh, so I mean, we did have that because commercial banks mm. would only you would the, the the longest maturity deposit you could make would be 90 days, you know, because the commercial bank was restricted to only buying bills, real bills, bills of exchange. And then the merchant bank, you know, uh, can take in deposits as well, uh, but would extend credit that is um, not necessarily self-liquidating by any measure, and obviously has a duration which would be longer than 90 days, however long you, you want to put the money to work for. So what it, it was, what, what, Glass-Steagall, yes. you know, so that, there was an element of that um, there, and that was cut away in, when was it, 99? Uh, Clinton. Just before the big crisis came. Yeah. <laughs> Another coincidence. Another coincidence, you know. And then you could mix the deposits. <laughs> And forget about putting demand deposits in bonds. God knows what they put demand deposits in, sort of during the past sort of ten years since. Um. So one more point on the central bank. When I was a kid, they taught us in high school the lender of last resort, and it's kind of like 
thank God there's a lender on the last <laughs> We are saved. Well, it took me many years to figure out that what happens when the lender of last resort is tapped out? There's no more credit. Then it's the treasury and the taxpayer and so on. And of course, when you're talking about real money, gold, there's no need for a central bank. How can they, how can they send out more gold than actually exists? Impossible. And that's the discipline of gold. So the central bank can only do its thing in paper. Mm. Mr. Bernanke doesn't like this idea. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so uh, there we uh, there we go, and this leads into my second lecture. Okay, so I'm just going to quickly cover something that Professor has already talked about. Uh, there's a bit of a spread in all entities, as uh, you're aware, and the uh, interest rates. has the uh, floor set by marginal time preference and the ceiling by marginal productivity. Marginal time preference. Uh, marginal Productivity and there might be a market maker in between. So marginal time preference tends to push the floor down. Marginal productivity tends to push the interest rate up. Let's say this is four and a quarter off a bid, four and a half bid, four and three quarters. Offered. And the market maker sits in the middle here if a market maker exists, trying to close the spread that way. Okay, so just remember this. Um, just remember this. Full stop. I mean, um, that's the investment banker, right? That would be, yeah, that would be the merchant banker. You know, depending on what time frame you're talking about, you know. Um, because this, this, in, this plays heavily in the gold, uh, the gold market and the concept of basis and co-basis, contango and backwardation. Um, links in very heavily um, with this um, observation. Uh, are there any more questions? Wow, okay, I think that we should uh, call it a day then, okay. Thanks very much. <laughs>